friends and loved ones. Okay, you can find your seat. We're up and running. So everyone's been wishing me a happy birthday. Thank you. It couldn't have, it couldn't have occurred on a better day than Sunday. When I can be in here and be with all my friends and loved ones, family, yep, makes it an especially happy birthday. You can see that in central Pennsylvania, July and August are huge vacation months. We have a lot of empty pews, but you've heard this before. The two most important people are here today. You and God. So by introduction and review, this is standard procedure, SOP, Standard Operating Procedure at Columbia Christian Fellowship. We begin with introduction and review. Ephesians 1.3 has been a very familiar verse to us now, hopefully. Praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. So our primary focus recently has been the spiritual blessings that belong to those who have come to Jesus. Those who are in Christ. Before we move on, I just want to remind us again, or emphasize again, these are spiritual blessings in the heavenly realm. These are not physical blessings in the earthly realm that we're talking about. Food, shelter, clothing, material goods, which we also receive in abundance from the Lord. But these that we're talking about are spiritual blessings. They relate to our relationship with Christ, who we are in Christ, our position in Christ. See, the entire human race are the recipients of the physical blessings of God. You've read in Scripture, his rain falls on the just and the unjust. These blessings, spiritual blessings that we've been talking about, they're exclusively for folks, for those who are in Christ. And the theme of spiritual blessings in Christ is found primarily in Ephesians, but also throughout the New Testament. That's why we've kind of just hit the pause button in our series through Ephesians, and we're in a mini-series of who am I in Christ? What is my position in Christ? My position in him in the spiritual realm, the heavenly realms. Last week's text was from Ephesians chapter 2, verse 17 and 18. title was Direct Access. We discussed the unbelievable blessing, the unbelievable privilege. And I hope you heard what we said last week. And I hope you took advantage of it. If you didn't, Shame on you. And you'll never answer to me. There's one higher than me that you will answer to if you're neglecting his truth. Hopefully we're not ignoring. Hopefully we are not neglecting so great a blessing that we have direct access to the throne of God. Direct access into the presence of God. You're not going to get this in the world. The world doesn't really even like God let alone want to come into his presence. And unfortunately, you don't even hear this in many churches. We've kind of shied away from these teachings for whatever reason. 
But Scripture is very clear. If you're in Christ, you have direct access to the throne of God, direct access into the presence of your heavenly Father, mighty God, ruler of the universe, king of kings, lord of lords. Hopefully, we're making time in our busy lives to spend some quality time with him. Not just five minutes in the daily bread, and then a few minutes of prayer on the go. Now, if you did miss last week where we talked all about that, it's available on podcast. We can tell you how to get there. But for two weeks in a row now, similar theme. The application to the message has been spending time with God, not something you hear much of in the church anymore. Spending time with God. But today we're moving on. I think God may have said all that he wanted to say about that for now. So hopefully you heard it. And hopefully you're applying it. If you're not, it's your loss. Today's text, Jordan, if you'll come. Congregation, will stand. Stand with us, please, for the reading of the word. So Jordan's making his debut reading appearance. Yeah. Okay. Good and loud and into the mic. Go ahead, Jordan. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. Thank you. Short and sweet. You may be seated. We'll have to get you up here again. You did such a good job. Today's title, No Condemnation, Romans 8, 1 and 2. We just read this in our Bible read, the CCF Bible read. Actually, we had one verse on one day, and the purpose was so that we would meditate on this. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. The spiritual blessing we will focus on today, no condemnation, no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. No condemnation. Did I say that? Okay. Just make sure I said that. So what is that anyhow? You got the Saturday text. We kind of formed it like, what exactly is that? How significant is it? Why is it even important to know that there's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus? Well, let's try and explain it. Try and explain it in a relevant, meaningful way. Because it's a spiritual blessing in the heavenly realm. And it's tough sometimes to make them real and tangible and meaningful for us. But we're going to try. Holy Spirit's help. Definition of condemnation. Deserved consequences for actions taken for offenses committed. And we need to understand this in the context of our passage. It's condemnation that's connected to sin. Sin brings condemnation. Whether we like it or not, whether we try and ignore it or not, become indifferent to it, harden ourselves to it, it doesn't matter. The truth of the matter is sin brings condemnation. Condemnation is a consequence of sin. 
Condemnation is experiencing the consequences of our sin. Now, there's an ultimate and there's an eternal, ultimate eternal condemnation. And the, con- the consequence, the, the condemnation, the consequence of sin is what? Death. We looked at this matter not too long ago. And I guess for some reason, God wants to address it again with us. Maybe we didn't quite get it then. Maybe it's so important we need to hear it again. The ultimate and eternal condemnation slash consequence of sin is death. Romans 3.23, all have sinned, they fall short of the glory of God. So all of us have sinned, and we've come short of the glory or the standard or the measurement that God has set for eternal life, which is perfection. So unless you're perfect, you've fallen short of that standard. No heaven for you. If you've sinned once, no heaven for you. James said, if I break one part of the law, I'm guilty of breaking the whole law. No heaven for you. None of us are perfect. None of us can measure up. None of us can meet that standard, God's standard of perfection. We have all sinned. And of course, that's why we need Jesus. Right? Without him, hopeless. With him, great hope. 6.23, Romans 6.23, the wages of sin, the consequences of sin, what you'll earn for your sin is death. Death in this verse refers to the ultimate consequence, the ultimate condemnation of sin. It's eternal death. Separation from the life of God forever. In what the Bible calls the lake of fire, also commonly known as hell. That's the ultimate condemnation consequence of sin. Got that? Revelation 20, 13 through 15. The sea gave up the dead that were in it. Death and Hades gave up the dead that were in them. Each person was judged according to what they had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second death, eternal death, spiritual death. Anyone whose name was not found written in the book of life, in, in the Lamb's book of life, in the, in the book that, where Jesus lists the names of those who came to him. Anyone whose name was not found written in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. Wish it wasn't true, but there it is. Those who die apart from Christ, those who die outside of Christ, remember we're in Christ or we're outside, who never had their names written in the Lamb's book of life, Jesus' book of life, will experience the ultimate consequence, the ultimate condemnation of sin, eternity apart from God. Eternity in the lake of fire, hell. Conscious torment forever. Wish it wasn't so. But there it is. Further explanation. Judgment followed one sin and brought condemnation. By the trespass sin of one man, Adam, death reigned. Consequently, one trespass, one sin, resulted in condemnation for all people. If you haven't come to Christ, you're under condemnation. 
You're living in condemnation. You're walking in condemnation. The entire human race, apart from Christ, is born under condemnation because of sin. First, because of our parents' sin, Adam and Eve's, their corporate sin, passed upon the whole human race. Then we prove that they're our parents and we're their children by our own personal sin. It's just not Adam and Eve's sin. We all sinned. If I ask who in here is perfect, I'm hoping I don't see any hands. Because we all sinned, we just proved that, yep, Adam and Eve were our first parents. Through sin, we destined ourselves to eternal condemnation. Mark 16, 16. Whoever does not believe will be condemned. All who are outside of Christ, unbelievers, will ultimately be condemned eternally. Now, if you've been here any length of time in this church, you have heard all this before. This is not new. And this is the bad news. We had to begin with the bad news. We had to become convinced that we're born lost and condemned before we could move to the good news. We had to take a look at the negative stuff before we could look at the positive stuff, the good stuff. So it's going to take a turn right here. This message is going to take a turn from gloom and doom and destruction and death to a very positive light. Here's the primary point of our message, and if you want to shout, you may. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. If you're in Christ, if you have truly come to Jesus, if you've received him as your Lord and Savior, if you love him, and if you are living for him and you've given your life to him, then there is therefore now no condemnation for you. There's no eternal death. There's no separation from God. There's no lake of fire, no hell for you. Ours is eternal life with God in heaven. Not separated, not death, eternally separated from God, but eternal life, eternity with God in heaven. No condemnation, no deserved consequences of our sin. Oh, we definitely deserve condemnation, but we are, there is no condemnation because of Jesus, which we'll explain a little as we move forward. So that's the good news. The good news gets even better. Condemnation has more than just ultimate spiritual consequences. Condemnation has earthly, temporal consequences right here in in the here and now. Condemnation carries earthly, temporal consequences. Sin brings consequences. Sin brings condemnation in the here and now. We're no longer talking about eternal condemnation. We're talking about temporal, earthly consequences condemnation. Well, well, what is that? Remember I said the good news gets better, and it does. What is temporal, earthly condemnation? You've experienced it. You just might not know that's what it was, but you've experienced condemnation. Earthly condemnation. It's a sense of guilt. It's a sense of shame. It's a sense of blame. It's a sense of failure, discouragement, 
depression. These are all human emotions we project on ourselves. And Satan is more than happy to help us with that. Sin brings these feelings of condemnation. The human race has gotten very adept at suppressing them. But that's what's driving all of our psychological behavior problems. Because we've suppressed our sin. And we won't allow, be vulnerable to the condemnation that comes and then deal with it in a biblical way. So we have a lot of people walking around with all kinds of problems and conditions that we're trying to treat on the earthly plane, on the physical level, but it has a spiritual root. It's come into the life because of sin. Sin opened the door for it. And now we're suffering the consequences and we're suffering the condemnation of it. And our society is plagued with it. One of the doctors that I've seen in the past, he's now retired, but he was a Christian and we would have great talks. And I said, I don't know how the conversation got started, but it was related to this. And here's what he told me. He said, Hub, 20% of my patients come in with organic illness, meaning there is something physical wrong, physically wrong. There's an, there's an injury. There's something physical that we can attend to. He said, 80% of my parents come to, my patients come to see me because of stress in their life that's due to sin, unforgiveness, bitterness, resentment, guilt, shame, discouragement, depression. All that stuff affects your physical body and you end up at the doctor and they treat the physical symptoms. But in the world, they can't treat the root problem, which is sin. Looks like it's making some sense to some of you guys. I see some heads nodding here. These are human emotions, that first list. Guilt, shame, blame, failure, discouragement, depression. These are human emotions that we project on ourselves. When we are, when we are experiencing these feelings, it takes us out of our game. It knocks us off of our game. It makes it very hard to function in life, to carry on, to continue. We want to quit we want to give up. It makes it very hard to be a confident, bold Christian when you're feeling these things. The last thing you want to do is come boldly and confidently to the throne of heaven into his presence because you know God knows your sin and so you don't want to face him. All this stuff comes into our lives through sin. Sin opens the door for this. Sin causes us to get down on ourselves. In essence, we condemn ourselves. And again, Satan helps. Satan loves to help us with that. Then there's this second line, feelings of disapproval, dissatisfaction, disappointment, dislike. These are emotions or feelings or thoughts that we project on ourselves, but as coming from others, thinking we have left them down, thinking all sorts of thoughts of how or what they now think of us. Because of our behavior, because of our sin. We don't often call it sin, but it's sin. And this is true, especially if you're a people pleaser. Now think about it. You know, and I know that some of you know, and I know too, by personal experience, how you feel when you realize that you sinned. The more you love God, the more you come under that feeling almost immediately. The Holy Spirit doesn't let his people sin and get away with it. If you're sinning and getting away with it, we have to talk. When you sin, the Holy Spirit brings conviction. That's not condemnation. 
I wanted to put that in there, but we don't have time. But if you want to know the difference between conviction and condemnation, we can talk in private. But when you sin, these feelings come on you, either us thinking of ourselves or us thinking of what other people think about us. And especially if it's repeat sin. I can't possibly go back to God again. But here's a neat little thing that I learned and I'll pass on to you. When you go back to God and you say, man, I sinned that sin again, do you know what God says? What do you mean again? We'll see that at the end and you'll understand why I said that. What do you mean again? Keep that in mind. But here's another thing. These feelings just heap on us if we think we hurt someone else with our sin. And we do. Sin always hurts other people. You don't sin in a vacuum. When you sin, by nature of sin, you're opening that door to affect many other people. A brother just told me this week that he thought I was disappointed in him. And I had to tell him it wasn't true. He may not have known it, but what he was feeling was condemnation. He was heaping condemnation on himself, and he was allowing his thoughts and Satan's thoughts mixed in there to, to tell him the pastor hub is disappointed in you. So I told him the title and the theme of this message, and I said, no condemnation. You got to get over it, and he did, and we're good to go. That's exactly the primary point of this message. Let's return to our text. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit, this is just a a lot of theological stuff here. No condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. Verse 2, set free from the law of sin and death. There's so much we could say, but here's what we're going to say. The law of sin and death simply means this. There's a law, there's a principle at work, that when we sin, there are consequences, and one of the consequences is condemnation. It's a law, you're not going to get out from under it, it's a truth, you can't get away from it. When you sin, there are consequences, and there is condemnation. And you do open the door for all sorts of bad things, including the demonic, to come into our lives. Eternal consequences, if we don't come to Christ, eternal death. Temporal consequences, all those negative emotions we just mentioned and we experience when we sin. So here's the question. Are you still with me? Are you still listening? We're not doing too bad. Thank you, Steve. Thank you. I was waiting for that. I will. How are we going to resolve this issue of condemnation? It's a truth we can't get out from under. Sin brings condemnation. We saw it. Well, since condemnation is attached to sin, then the real problem is actually sin, not the condemnation. Am I right? So if we resolve the sin problem, we resolve the condemnation problem. Make sense? So let's deal with the sin problem and get rid of the condemnation issue. Here's some good news. The sin problem has been resolved. Announce that far and wide. Herald that out to the people. The sin problem has been resolved. 
Jesus Christ resolved the sin problem and consequently the condemnation problem. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. In Christ, you are free from the condemnation and the consequences of sin. Anybody interested in knowing how this works? Okay. How does it work? First and foremost... If you are not in Christ, it doesn't work. You say, man, in this church, all they ever stress is coming to Christ, coming to Christ. For good reason. So first and foremost, if you're not in Christ, come to Jesus. If you are in Christ, here's how it works. The solution to the sin problem. 1 John chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. Oh, keep that in mind. I write to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. So what is the solution to the sin condemnation problem? Don't sin. Yeah, but pastor, come on. I'm being serious. In Christ, provision has been made for us to not sin. What do you think grace is all about? We have a wrong mindset as Christians towards life. We think that we sin and sin and sin with brief periods of righteousness. When it really should be Long, huge periods of righteousness, and we slip into sin once in a while. Sin should be exception to the rule. Righteous living should be the rule. Jesus made it, made provision for that. So understand that. We're not often taught that. You mean it's possible for me to live above sin? Well, absolutely it is in Christ. Okay, that's truth. You can bank it. But what if we do sin? And unfortunately, we all do. We don't have to, but we do. So if we do sin, we have an advocate with the Father. We have an atoning sacrifice for our sins, which just simply means somebody has already paid the price for you. That's atonement. You don't have to pay the price of condemnation and the consequences of your sin because Jesus did. He satisfied the penalty. He suffered the condemnation. There was a brief period where he was separated from his father. When he was in anguish to go on the cross, it wasn't because of the physical pain he was going to experience. He knew there was going to become a brief moment in time where he would be separated from his father and the love of his father. And he couldn't take that. But he had to if he wanted to experience the condemnation of our sin and deal with it. And so he did. Too good to be true? It's not. Jesus Christ is the solution for our sin and our condemnation problem. Next slide. 
1 John 1, 7. The blood of Jesus, the blood he shed on the cross when he was going through all of that, dying for the consequences, dying for the condemnation of our sin, not his, he never sinned. The blood of Jesus, his son, now cleanses us from all sin. Cleanse means here to be free from, to remove thoroughly all the filth that attaches to us through sin. Sin comes with attachments. Sin in our life comes with baggage. You can't just sin and then that's all you got. It brings a whole slew of others with it. All those things we just mentioned. Even if you fight it off, even if you've hardened your heart, you're still under the condemnation of guilt and shame and all those things. Jesus' blood cleanses us from all of that, all the condemnation, all those negatives we mentioned before. The blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all that stuff. So I got a question, Pastor. Okay. Your question is, do we have a part in this or does he just do it all? Do we have any responsibility in this? And the answer is yes, we do. 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, then he is faithful and just. He will apply the blood of Jesus. He is faithful and just. He will forgive us our sins. He will purify or cleanse us from all unrighteousness, all that condemnation, all those negative things that want to attach to us and that Satan wants to use to constantly harass us and torment us and get us down, cause us to walk away from the Lord, or at the very least cause us not to be active and effective in the kingdom. Our part is to confess our sins. And all it simply means is we confess, we admit, we acknowledge, I sinned. Blessed is a man who does not cover or hide his sin, but freely and honestly confesses and admits to the Lord, I sin. At that moment, when you sincerely confess your sin, you're cleansed again, washed new again. It's like one of those things when you were a kid, if you're old like me. It, it was, ours were gray and red, and you had a wooden pencil, and you wrote on the front of it, and then you pulled up, and all that writing disappeared. That's what confession of sin is like. Lord, I... And I didn't, and gone, new slate. His mercies are new every morning. So, the ideal is not to sin, but if we do sin, plan B, there's a plan B. Not sinning is plan A. But if we do sin, plan B, confess our sin. When we confess our sin to God, he removes, he forgives us the sin. Then he removes and cleanses all that filth that attached to us through it. Some closing scriptures. We'll be finished. The question will be here. Wait. Excuse me. What does God do with our sin after we confess it? So here's another principle just to get quickly. Things in the spiritual realm don't just disappear. You prayed prayers 10, 20, 30 years ago. They're still active in the spiritual realm. Words that you say, they never cease to be alive. The power of life and death is in the tongue. Same with sin. Once you sin, sin never ceases. That sin never ceases to exist. We confess it to God and we're forgiven and cleansed. Now, what does he do with that sin? Are you interested in that? You want to know what he does with that sin that's still alive? Okay. He has removed our sins as far as the east is from the west. As far from us as the east is from the west. 
I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions. For my own sake, his sake, and I remember your sins no more. That's why if you come and say, I did this sin again, he's going to be like, what do you mean again? He has chosen to forget your sin once you confessed it. And God can do that. We have a hard time forgiving people who sin against us. God does not. If you love, in your love, you kept me from the pit of destruction. You have put all my sins behind your back. Once again, you will have, once again, you will have compassion on us. You will trample our sins under your feet and you will throw them into the deepest ocean. That's what God does with our sin, our confessed sin. Application. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. You know, there's different types of sermons. There's informational. We had that when we introduced Ephesians. There's inspirational. There's challenging. We get a lot of that. Ouch. Then there's encouraging sermons. Sermons that are meant to, meant to encourage God's people. Today's falls into that last category. This is meant to be greatly encouraging to God's people. No condemnation. No eternal spiritual condemnation. No temporal earthly condemnation. It's so freeing. Since the Son has set us free, we are free indeed. We do not have to walk under condemnation. So freeing. It was for freedom that Jesus died to set us free from that. That's why he came and died. To seek and save that which was lost and restore us to God and give us these great spiritual blessings. No condemnation. Presley's rejoicing in that. So freeing. No lake of fire, no hell. You bet. That's a good time to say yay. And none of that other stuff that we discussed either. And see, there's a reason. There's always a reason with God. When God saved us, saved you, saved me, he could have taken us home and we'd be out of this mess. He didn't. You know why he didn't. There's other people that need to hear this and we're the spokespeople. So he left us here. So now he needs to teach us how to live here in this sinful world and how to deal with our sin. So that we're not just constantly open game for Satan where we're barraged and we're harassed and we're tormented by him because we don't understand this stuff. If we do sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Come to the Father through Jesus, confess the sin, get back up on top. You're not helping anybody down here, and that's the reason for it. You're not helping yourself when you're under condemnation, and you're not helping anybody else, and you're really not very useful to God if you're walking in condemnation. He wants us to be free. That's why he made that provision. He wants us to be walking boldly, confidently serving him. think that's enough said today so if you'll stand with me and Bob if you'll come forward Sonny bring the band forward
Bob's going to lead us in prayer, and then we'll close with worship. Thank you. Amen. No. No, that, that's really where I'm at, really in my, my head. The Father is so great. It's, it's, your grace is so awesome. Out, you're just un, so, so out there, so gracious and good. Father, to find out that, that I am guilty. We are guilty of sin. And, and we were judged, we were judged guilty, but we were pardoned. And, and there, is no, there is no penalty for us heavenly because Jesus paid the price. He paid our, our bail, <laughs> as it were. And, and even, even though we're guilty, like our record has been sponged by uh, a heavenly Father who loves us. It's no, no longer a, a record that anybody can see. You have hidden that from us and from even from your sight. When you, your word says you cast it as far as the east is from the west. But Father, how, how can how can how can we stand before you and and still feel condemned when all we need to do is confess and and acknowledge your love, acknowledge Jesus Christ. Father, thank you. We are now free to live. <laughs> In Jesus' name, amen.